Hey, I'm David Greenwald. And I have a master's degree in American literature, so I can handle anything. (laughs) You're listening to Pretty Little Grown Men, the podcast where two adult dudes recap Pretty Little Liars. All right, we're back uh, with the second to last episode of Pretty Little Liars ever. Uh, hopefully, <laughs> the penultimate episode, mm-hmm. and this actually played like it could have been a series finale. Uh, we know there's another one next week, and there is an ending that sort of ha- sails off, drives off into the sunset, mm-hmm. quite literally. Uh, what did you think, Dom, of epi- episode 19, season 7? Um, well, uh, I think that I want to I start from the beginning of the episode. Um Yes, I got my notes. Not, um, not necessarily. I can't remember what the cold open was. It's something to do with Arya. Uh, it oh, was, yeah, it was Arya. Tanner waiting to sign, waiting to get signa- a judge's signature. And Arya figured out the, found her keys in the trunk. Yes, Arya gets approached by a cop. Yes. And has to, like, play it smoothly so she can get her trunk open, uh, without revealing that Archer Dunhill's body is in it. I think that, uh, the episode started going downhill for me um, when uh, the liars had all gathered together, um, minus Arya, of course, and Emily says uh, something along the lines of, oh, Mona is AD, because they're discussing the fact that Caleb and Hannah just, or Caleb and Ezra just uh, discovered that Mona still has the game. And so they get back to the whoever's house they're rendezvousing in either Allison's or maybe Spencer's who knows um I think Allison's probably and uh Emily says um basically just tells Hannah like Mona Mona's AD so let's let's now start operating as if Mona is AD right the the classic PLL jump to conclusions yeah. which means since we've been watching this show for a Mona very long time. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. As is semi-concretely, semi-definitively revealed in this episode. Yeah. And I mean, it's not like last week when we discovered that Mona had the game, we thought Mona was AD. We knew she wasn't. No. And it's like the show is telegraphing that by not having her mm-hmm. being in a black hoodie and wearing the gloves and all that. And even in this episode, when she gets the game stolen from her, uh, and she's got a hoodie on. It's not a black hoodie. Like she's not in her a uh, no. mode. No. So it's like the show is giving us the symbols or the icons, the iconography that we need to follow the path. You know. Yeah. Uh, and I think actually, it did a pretty good job of setting this up to be a fake out and having letting the viewers be a little bit smarter than the characters by not giving us those signs. Right. Um. As far as something that I think was sort of an overall issue with the episode, um, I don't even think I would say issue in a pejorative way, but in a way that I'm not sure how I felt about it since we just watched it, which is something that you brought up when we were watching it, which was um, the characters are finally, I mean, they're very much verbalizing a lot of the themes or at least a lot of the the things that we wish they would uh, rectify about their actions on a mm-hmm. normal basis. Um. And I feel like a lot of the way, a lot of the dialogue in the episode was very much 
almost like a meta commentary on the series itself. Mm-hmm. Um, right. And uh, you probably have some others in mind, but I'm even thinking about um, just to skip ahead the confrontation between Charlotte and Mona when Charlotte basically tells Mona, um, like, you not only lost the game, you lost the story. Mm-hmm. I think that's something like that. Yeah. And which is basically just saying, like, it's almost like an, like, sort of like an acknowledgement of, like, we understand that we almost like, <laughs> lost control of things here. Uh, uh-huh. um, That's interesting. I didn't think of it that way. Which I don't, you know, I, I don't necessarily think that an acknowledgement is, um, uh, is sort of like a mea culpa. Because mm-hmm. um, you still did it. And yeah. it still doesn't change how things happened. I will say that the reveal that Charlotte is still evil... Uh, felt really lazy to me mm-hmm. and stupid. And because it's like, I mean, I don't, I didn't necessarily need the show to try to make up for the fact that it made its only trans character a villain. Right. Uh, and that the, and that the reason that person is a villain was because of their life. Mm hmm having to do with not their life, not lining up to the way that they wanted to live it. Right. Um, but I don't also just don't think that the, for, for a show that received so much, um, guff and was, and, and sort of endured so much controversy because of the way that they handled this character. Right. They did. It's almost like they like ignored all of that, or they learned nothing, which is not true because Marlene apparently like she's like, she's acknowledged that they might have mishandled the character, right? And yet this episode proves that there was no acknowledgement there. Okay, well let's let's. I want to zoom out for a second. Um, so we have a Charlotte flashback in this episode, and there's only been what one or two others. In this season, we mm. had one with Jenna, where Jenna goes to visit her. Um, right, yeah. And I can't remember if there was another beyond that. But essentially, no. we have this character who, at at the end of whenever, before the five years forward, is revealed as this the supervillain mastermind. Uh, we pop forward five years, and she's killed off. And after this big question is raised of, okay, she's getting out, is this going to restart everything? Is she still evil? Can everyone let these things go? Right. And so it's creating this, this it's, it's setting up the, this round of the story for everyone to have their, um, these traumas resurfaced and to have the questions raised. Can someone change? You know, Mm -hmm. can someone be redeemed? Did she want to? And, uh, so it sort of sets up a lot of the tone of kind of what could have gone on in the rest of this season uh, or these two seasons. And so I think we need to have that in mind as we see this episode. And I think it's not a coincidence that they bring Charlotte back to do this, to do this episode. Uh, And I don't think Charlotte's dead still. Hmm. I still don't think Charlotte's dead. I don't, because what we see is. So you think Mona's lying? I don't think Mona's lying. I think Mona gets fooled. She says, you're not going to fool. She's, she's talking to, Han- she's she's mistaking Hannah for Charlotte. Yeah. And she says, you're not going to fool me again. So 
she's in this crazy mode, but does that not indicate that Charlotte is alive? Like, does that not, because we see in the flashback and again, all these flashbacks are not uh, trustworthy. Uh, Who who knows? Um, But we see her like hit this wall and she hits, she drops down to the floor and like, you know, Mona sees blood or whatever. She's like, yeah, right. Exactly. But it's like, that's not, I don't know. Maybe I'm being nuts about this, but that's not definitive to me. And the fact that she says, you're not going to fool me again. And she thinks she's like crazy enough to think that Hannah is, uh, is Charlotte says to me, she knows something more, um, that, that she's not, that, that scene, maybe Mona pieces out and doesn't see what happens next, you know? Yeah. I don't know. It's, it's just, to me, it's like, if you're, if let's think about this, if you're going to do this episode, and you're going to have this big reveal that Charlotte got out and is in fact still a villain and was fooling everyone and only Mona was wise enough to to perceive it. Why would Charlotte hang out for five years and be that patient and come back and reassert this villainy? Uh, that's an interesting thing that I would that the show needs to justify. Right. Definitely. Yeah. Because it, it's. I thought the way that the line of dialogue that they use in this uh, in this confrontation to justify it, I wrote it down. Uh, let's see what let's see where it says. Okay, Charlotte says to Mona, "None of you are really certain who you are." I did that, and she says, "Like you said, you know, everything was taken away from me, and now I'm going now I'm going to do that to you more. Right. It's, it's going to be worse than you ever believed." And yeah, it does run counter to what we saw of Charlotte in the other in the previous reveal where the show tries really hard in this like one hour long episode, which wasn't nearly long enough to present her as a sympathetic character who has had her life stolen and had all all these horrible things happen, blah, 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 Mm -hmm. you know. And so to go from that version of the character to this version where it's like, nope, she's bad the whole time. No, no sympathy at all. It, I agree. It does uncomplicate the character in a troubling way, but it also, to me, is set up. Uh, so I, before weighing in on sort of what it, I mean, I, I feel like I've done this throughout the season, right? Where it's where I've been like hesitant to weigh in on like what they're trying to do with this sort of these traumatic things, like if they're playing them in a sort of like you know ethical way or whatever. Uh, because I want to see how it all plays out. Because I feel like there has to be more to the Charlotte story than this, than just the reveal that Mona killed Charlotte. Well, I mean, and if Mona did kill Charlotte, if this is definitive, I mean, let's zoom out again. Like the whole first half of this flash forward was to use lost terms. Sorry, uh, the whole thing was. Who killed Charlotte? Who's trying to find out? Everyone's trying to find out who killed Charlotte. Mm-hmm. Where's her money? And we still don't know who was trying to do that. Like it wasn't. I guess it was Dunhill, but was he AD? Like I don't think so. I you know, it, he was running his own thing. Well, so there's still like this other character out there. Yeah. If Charlotte's actually dead. So, I mean, I have a few thoughts. One is that I think the show. Okay, so we have to believe that the show is clever enough to set up Mona as an unreliable narrator in order to reveal that Charlotte is dead, but she's not dead, Mm -hmm. which is the big reveal. Right. Um, I, I, 
the the really cynical part of me feels like this is just sloppy storytelling and Charlotte's dead and Mona killed her accidentally. Right. Because that's, that's how they know how to reveal it. There's, because also like if Charlotte's not dead, that means that Charlotte's AD and then, uh, somehow Charlotte survive Charlotte and Mona are maybe in on this together Mm -hmm. or I don't think that. I think I think this was like the redemption of this episode was like the redemption of Mona as the hero who just wants to be part of the group. Yeah. Just wants to be loved. I think so too. So that means that somehow Charlotte survived being stabbed in the neck or whatever. And that the body that was the body which we assume Mona Mona tried to set it up to look like Charlotte committed suicide. Right. And pushed her out of the the window. Yeah. Um if Charlotte's not dead, then whose body is that? Right. Is Toby involved? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, uh, to I, the, the okay, so let's go back to last week where we saw uh, Spencer, who I don't think is a twin. I think she's just Spencer, and the, just had a weird characterization this season. Uh, Spencer goes and sleeps with Toby. Yeah, not, nothing fucking adds up. It's so I just feel like it's sloppy. It's it's messy. I I agree. Well, here's the thing too, like. We were talking about watching this sort of the way we watch the show, obviously, at this point is like super scrutinized. And we're also going really deep every week, but also can't remember what happened like two years ago. Yeah. Like the weird nuance of what outfit was Charlotte wearing or what, where did she show up or whatever. Yeah. And it's like, I feel like if we were going to binge watch this series now, if you were going to binge watch the whole thing and like try to take notes and try to remember what was happening, it would maybe be better or maybe make more sense. And you would care less about each individual episodes, like little weird issues. Well, I think that it would be, it'd be easier to remember things and probably easier to keep all these plot threads straight or to realize when a plot thread hasn't been resolved. Right. But yes it'd probably be more glaring certain things, certain what I consider, I think we both consider major inconsistencies, Mm -hmm. for example. Mm -hmm. um, And they keep, this is, this is why this is, and we've talked about this last week, but this is why dream logic is just not good enough because, because they keep bringing up how this all happens in one night. Yeah. And yet, and yet, uh, Toby and Spencer uh, have sex. Then the liars gather. And somehow Toby's not there. And somebody's like, did you try to call Toby? Where's Toby? Yeah, and then Caleb asks Ezra, did you call Toby? And Ezra's like, he's not answering. It's like... Does, Why was she, he not? He, he was just inside Spencer. What the fuck? <laughs> right. Right. That nothing, nothing that happened in that sequence, in that little sequence made sense to me. Because it's like, yeah, why would Ezra be calling him? Why would he not, like... Why is he not in this episode? Why would they even think to call him? Yeah. Unless Spencer got there and was like, oh, yeah, I just fucked Toby. Just want, <laughs> just want everybody to know that I just fucked Toby who, like, oh, you know, was just grieving over the death of his wife. Yeah, I just emotionally manipulated him in order to uh, get my rocks off. Yeah. And like, to feel emotionally validated when I was also in, in a in a vulnerable it, position. Right. It was just like this throwaway line and this throwaway moment that, like sort of completely unraveled my ability to understand what was going on in the scene, you know, because the course of this night is this night, like 36 hours long. Yeah. Because they, um, they, uh, <laughs> like we were saying, 
um, Caleb and Hannah get married in the middle of the fucking night. Mm-hmm. Everyone else has sex. Then they all get back to the phone to to end the countdown at like what two in the morning or something like that. Mm-hmm. And then they, uh, Caleb and Ezra are at after 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 the countdown ends. After Caleb and Hannah get married, they meet again. Caleb and Ezra go to um go to Mona's apartment realize that she has the game come back mm-hmm. tell everyone then caleb and hannah go back to mona's apartment where the game has been stolen follow her to the diner out in the middle of nowhere right oh and this is supposed to be like three, four in the morning yeah yeah they don't show up right mona leaves yeah uh or mona escapes through the hidden passageways which aren't explained and then uh, Caleb and Spencer basically like it's supposed to. They're basically supposed to just be like searching through this. They don't in any way get to a. Um, I, I mean, they don't get to a place where. There well, there's no reason for there to be this this like path of hidden tunnels that goes from the pie bar all the way to the church, except unless it's how Charlotte escapes after pretending to be dead. Yeah, you know. Except the only thing is, and also. They knew these secret passageways were there because it's on the fucking board game. Yeah. Like, are they well, surprised? yeah, totally. You're right. Um, which was never brought up. Yeah, I know. They never were we, like, we, hey, that's yeah, a secret passage. Yeah, exactly. We already knew about it. Yeah. That was like a little Easter egg for, for the fans. But like, you would think that the liars would have noticed the thing on the board that said secret passage. And the only way, but I mean, I feel like the, the only reason for that scene was to get uh, Caleb and Spencer alone, which we can talk about in a second. But basically... So they're in this passageway for a seemingly long time. They don't find anything. Uh, then they all come back. They cloister Mona in this room. They uh, finish the game. They go to dig up Archer Dunhill's body. They get taken to the police station where uh, Mary Drake confesses. They get let off. They go back to the hotel where Mona is, mm-hmm. and then the sun rises. Like, are you fucking kidding me? Yeah, all that's that true. shit is supposed to it happen within happens. the course of like four hours? Right, from like two AM to to six or whatever. Yeah. 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 It's a lot. It's completely nuts. I mean, I understand it's like this idea, like a lot of TV shows do this, which is um everything is kind of like next to each other. Mm-hmm. And so like travel time is never taken into account. It's like twenty four. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, like they can't waste time on travel time. Unless they're using it to get a, to keep a character away from the plot while right. other things are happening, and then it's like, okay, now the character finally arrived at his destination right. or whatever. But at the same time, it's just it's so frustrating because they keep reminding you that it's happening on the same night. Right. And if you wanted to obscure that fact or dream logic it up, stop reminding us that it all happened in one night. Well, it just would have been more sensible for them to do it in one night if the end of the game was like midnight instead of like 4 a.m. Right. You know, where you're just supposed to wake up at 4 and be like, oh, okay. I know. It just feels like sloppy storytelling because they could easily write themselves out of these quandaries. Right, right. Well, okay. I think we've gone too deep into the, into the detail <laughs> rabbit hole. Let's stop, tra- <laughs> let's tra- stop trying to understand this episode for a minute. Uh, and just I just want to kind of go through a few more things that happened because we just breezed through a lot. Uh, so Mary leaves another weird wine bottle for Spencer. 
who is probably Spencer and not Twincer at this point. And so they uh, have a meetup at the Lost Woods, and Mary gives Spencer and Allie the deed to the house uh, to help them with their lawyer fees or whatever. Fine. Uh, Allie and Emily have a moment, and Emily has like this sort of classic Emily you know, mama bear moment where she's like, I'm not going to let anything happen to us. So that's like a nice Emerson moment. If you're into that, whatever. <laughs> um, one of the weirder scenes in PLL history, but I liked it. Aria's in the car talking to Dunhill's dead body in her trunk, yeah. just figuring out like, well, what should I do? Should I like drive you to the cops? Can I fix this problem? What do you think? And the body's like, you know, thumping around thumping in the back. She's like, thump. well, okay, good. You agree. <laughs> uh, so I, I like that scene. I like that scene. I feel like Arya has gotten, did actually get a lot to do this season and has been one of the more interesting and conflicted mm-hmm. characters. So I appreciated that she got like this weird scene where she got to act and sort of be like macabre funny. And it sucks that it's Ezra who out of anyone uh, says the most sensible thing to the other liars, which is basically just like, um, why are you piling up on Arya? Like you, you've all done just as many worse things or, right. or bad things as she has. Um, well, he says he says this crucial thing, which sort of speaks to the theme and something we've talked a lot about on this podcast is like, what are the themes of the show? Like what like is it trying to communicate something deeper, whether about growing up or about trauma or about the surveillance state? And Ezra kind of speaks that when he says to the liars after they've broken off with Arya from her being dark Arya, he says the difference between you and a D is that she can't forgive. Yeah. And that was the advantage that you had over her, like mm-hmm. human empathy, the, mm-hmm. the capacity to forgive. And I was like, oh, wow, I think you just revealed that this is like a show about forgiveness. Mm-hmm. And it's a show about the c- capacity to uh, to forgive yeah. uh, paired with what, squad goals. Sure. Well, pa- <laughs> but also paired with. And I think there's a reason why Arya is the person who offers the counter of that. Um I'm looking through my notes. Okay. So Arya is talking to Ezra. Oh, yeah, yeah. Where she's saying, I need to take responsibility for this or whatever. And she says, like, you know, if you've been buried and you've been trapped and whatever, uh, you can't think with the trap. You can't let that trap part do the thinking for you. Mm -hmm. So it's the show addressing the way trauma has made them crazy or influenced their actions. Mm -hmm. And it's the show also saying the way past that is forgiveness. But then. Uh, I want to direct. Uh, should I let you go? But I want to. No, no, I'm, that's, I'm done. Go ahead. So the show, the show steps on its own dick because then it has Arya saying the exact same thing to counter that, which is they're in the car and she and and uh, Emerson is basically resp- uh, uh, f- uh, asking for forgiveness from Arya. Like uh-huh. we're really sorry we shut you out. And Arya turns to them and says, um, uh, it's okay when we're when we feel trapped or when we're scared or when we feel trapped we resort to old um high school uh, old actions or yeah. old patterns yeah and and it's like okay yeah that makes sense but it's like but you're all doing it anyway all of your you're like you're resort you're re, you're re, resorting to your old selves anyway right and so it's like Arya's saying like it's a bad thing to 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 act as if we are our old selves. Right. But also, we're also doing that. 
Right. And that comes and not up, acknowledging that, that she's fucking sitting next to Ezra in the front seat of the car. Well, and it comes back later when they so they get these puzzle pieces and they win the game and they're gonna go dig up uh Dunhill's body, which has been buried in Charlotte's grave as Charles at their aunt's house, mm-hmm. uh, which was a nice a nice spooky touch. And there's like extra fog rolled onto the set for this scene. You know, this 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 was actually like the show trying to be scary again. I will say that the one there was one great great shot, which was the the um, I don't know like the excavator, the whatever we called it, like the the machine coming yeah, up, the digger, the, the silhouette, and all of the cops coming from behind it. Yeah, that was a really cool shot. Yeah, like it was that. really nice. But that totally it totally comes up again. The idea of like this conflict between going through the loop of acting like you're in high school and you're in this game um, versus like trying to be an adult and break out of it. Basically, oh, oh my God, the show is trying to tell us that they're trying to break the circle of trauma. Uh That's what this is. Okay, wow. All right, there we go. Uh, But it's the same thing of them saying... um, of Arya saying, "I don't want to do this anymore. I reject this. I don't want to go through this. We'll just do. We'll just walk off and do whatever." Yeah. And so this is really the most explicit the show has been about what its themes actually are. And I really liked it, but also it made me wish that the last like ten episodes or not eight episodes had sort of had this sensibility mm-hmm. and had contributed more because all this stuff is like so spot on and obvious now that we're talking about it. Yeah. But if you look through the previous eight episodes, it's not there. No, I agree. Um, in fact, I was so dubious of everything that when the liars are, you know, before they, before, before they can like look through the one way mirror and see Mary Drake confess, um, you know, they're kind of just saying, like, what do we do? What are, what are we going to do? What are we so going to do? So let's set that scene. The liars have been arrested, mm-hmm. and Mary Drake, the, somehow uh, Tanner goes into the next room, and the liars watch through the two-way mirror, and they see her uh, interviewing Mary Drake, who's come in, and confesses not just to the murder of Jessica De Laurentiis, uh, but also to... Uh, uh, to... Uh, Killian Archer, Killing, Dr. Husband. Killing, yes, which which she did not do, but she takes credit and comes up with an, her whole story. Yeah, um, but before that, uh, Spencer basically admits to the liars that she thinks it's over. Like, this is it. Like, there's nothing's going to happen. We're going to, we're going to have to face our actions. And mm-hmm. so, like, this is, this is the end. Right. And for a second, I thought that, when Spencer says like, there's not going to be a confession or something, something like that, that she was going to basically say like, so turns out I'm a twin. And yeah, like I thought that she was about to say something. Um, but it was just a very stark moment of defeat. Right. Um, and I guess I, I appreciate that where it's just sort of like the show for a se- for a second breaching reality and basically saying like in normal situations they would there would be no way out of this they would have to face their actions right and in the way that they discuss justice which is like this isn't real justice this is just in the in the eyes of the law we killed a person and we're going to have to face those consequences right well and it's like the show has consistently excused the sort of vigilante justice of mona killing bethany of Mary killing her sister mm-hmm. of in this episode, potentially Mona killing Charlotte. 
Yeah. I mean, Mona's killed a lot of people at this point. <laughs> um, you know, of all the liars killing people in self-defense, you know, so it's like there have been so many murders on the show or, or killings or deaths that come out of like, well, essentially the show argues, oh, it's self-defense. Yeah. It's fine. You know, uh, and that, and this, this was really the first episode where there were any sort of consequences for that for Mary, like sacrificing herself and saying, yeah, I killed my sister, even though her sister was planning to kill her. Right. You know, and the show like sort of saying maybe there should be consequences for that, but also she's doing it for a noble reason. Yeah. So it's sort of like this weird diffusion of like, is it cool to kill people or not? We're not sure. I mean, I think the answer is, I mean, I don't think the show has a hard uh, opinion about it either, but it's just sort of interesting, you know, the sort of thinking about like, where's the moral line of the show? Clearly, Killing people is fine if you're in the if, if, you, the right need, if you need to. It's like the bachelor if you're there for the right reasons. <laughs> um, yeah, and so I mean, I guess it kind of it's kind of up to you whether or not you want to accept that. Um, what did you think of the um, the alley classroom scene, which was the scene teased in the first episode? It was a dream, right? Which was ended Emily up being dream. Emily's dream sequence. Um, I don't know. I mean, it was I. It was fine. I, I, you know, it's, I think using it, using a dream as a, um, almost like a stinger at the end of the last half season Mm -hmm. was kind of a a good idea when you actually find out that it's a dream. It's just like, okay, well, I'm glad they didn't forget about it. Right. You know, like good good for them. But, um, the whole i mean it was it was very it was very horror movie-ish like a like a zombie movie which mm-hmm. was uh cool i guess i don't know it felt okay it felt very straightforward as a po- as as far as like what subconscious what it subconsciously represented for emily you know yeah um so i don't know it was it was all right yeah. what do you think of it well i thought it was fine <laughs> yeah i mean i'm glad they came back to that yeah. scene if they were going to introduce it uh and it was like a scary scene and it was like you know the show sort of trying its hand at like sort of varieties of horror and different genres of horror and so here you have like a zombie dream sequence with green light versus like you know uh, going down into these subterranean tunnels with spencer and uh uh caleb or um you know, Mona in the church and, you yeah. know, or, or the fog, like this was sort of an all out parade of like, here are all these sort of horror sequences. Yeah. We, for, we forgot that we're kind of a horror show sometimes. Right. So I like that, you know, that was, in, that was fun. The thing I did notice was that Spencer has frizzy hair mm-hmm. in the dream sequence because that's what the real Spencer looks like <laughs> as opposed to this, this very harsh straight haired Spencer that we see in this episode again. Yeah. Um, so Which, I, I don't know what to think about that as far as the, the twin theory and maybe we should just drop it, but I did notice a difference in the hairstyle and I think that's potentially a sign of something. Well, and, um, if this was twincer, then the reconciliation with Caleb in the underground tunnels, I mean, is that, that doesn't well, and seem all like this, a... and all the scenes with Mary too. Right. Cause I mean, it seems very, it seemed too easy and I, and maybe it's just because, I don't think that Caleb should get off as easily and as smugly as he seems to be. Right. Uh, where it's just, where his sort of like, he, he tells Spencer that him and Hannah got married tonight. 
Right. And um, Spencer is kind of like, at first, uh, like pretty obviously disbelieving, but accepts it also just as quickly. Right. And then it's just kind of fine. There's no... Like it's like you said, it's like we you like you guys were just sleeping together like two or three weeks ago. Yeah, and now you're married, and now yeah, it it was all super weird. It's just so easy. It's just uh, these. Uh, we knew this was going to happen, but the the actual experiencing of it just never sits well. Which is, it's got a lot of these like dangling dramatic threads it needs to resolve, and it's just checking them off one by one. Mm-hmm. And so you know. We said goodbye to Lucas. We're finally gonna we're gonna say goodbye to Mary Drake. We did. Well, I mean, who knows? I mean, is she gonna go to jail forever, or is there gonna be more stuff? Because it's just like to me, you know, it's like even going back to the first few seasons where we were trying to make sense of the NAT club, you know, and you could do the same thing in this couple of seasons where it's like, why did the minions get keep getting killed? Who was doing that? You know, and if this game was all about happens after Archer gets killed and is all about Archer. Okay, so the end of the game is you get the grand prize, go dig up his body. What are they supposed to do with it? You know, like hide it? Like, is that going to get them off because of a lack of circumstantial evidence? And why, if somebody, uh, who who would want to play this game and and torment them who isn't Charlotte? Well, like if you go through the list of characters, okay, it's not Mary, it's not Lucas, it's not Jenna, because we know Jenna has talked to AD, Right. right? It's probably not Sydney. Uh, it it could be Paige, but that would be silly. Yeah. And it's like, if not Paige, I just don't. It's like we're out of characters, you know. I mean, it's it wouldn't be Jason. Yeah, and apparently Jason's not going to be in the series finale. Um, although the th- the idea is just like okay, so say let's 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 do some some thinking. Yeah, some some brain usage. Right. Uh, and also the the what they did to Mona in this episode and have her sort of revert to this like to to this mentally ill person yeah sort of reliving her high school persona um the conflation of that with addiction from a couple episodes back where she's like you get addicted to the game and blah blah, blah yeah. and Hannah's like but let me draw you back in yeah. like the conflation of her mental illness going dealing with like these this it, the, I don't know. I that just seemed like a little bit of a messy, mixed metaphor, and not necessarily like. I don't know. I don't know if it was like a cool way to deal with Mona's character. Although, what it does sort of do is confirm that when we see Mona in Radley back in the day, like that was all real. Yeah, you know, it was not faked. Like, right? She has a mental illness. Yeah, I think what feels pretty. Um, easy about it or which doesn't sit well about it is the fact that uh it's it's hannah and and by extension liar's fault that that mona uh that mona was dragged back into it in the first place and therefore triggered um when and 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 there's no culpability on their part that that they need to to burden themselves with because They don't say like, "Oh shit!" Like we've we've really fucked this girl up, right? It's and it's our fault, right? And you could argue that that's it's always been their fault, right? Well, even when she gets dragged into, I mean, it's like 
because everything goes back to sort of the original sin of like Allie teasing being, her, being, being mean to her, yeah. you know, and then she is the original A. Mm-hmm. And then so that sort of pulls her into Charlotte's A verse. And then she ends up in the dollhouse with them. And so it's like she's always sort of connected to them. And it is like one of the real sad, like I think intentional tragedies of the show that she is, even at this point, even after all the things she's done for them, she's never included into the group. Yeah. She's not trusted. She's It's so easy for them to turn on her. Um, and she really is not to go back to the theme of forgiveness. She really is not forgiven for, for what she did in high school or for, uh, who she was, who they thought she was. And that's, and and though she became ultimately like this heroic character. And the only reason that, I mean, the, the only moment of lucidity that she has in this episode really after she sort of snaps is, um, she tells Hannah, I I felt like you needed me. Mm-hmm. And so that's why I did it. Because you f- I felt like you needed me. Right. Or you needed me. And there's just no... There's no admission on the liar's part that they, that they had anything to do with this. That they're ruining her life. Right. And that really th- they should know fully well. Especially when like, Mona is... And, and granted, this is going against what... what we were initially saying, which is like, why not go to Mona in the first place? Right. But Mona essentially saying, I can't do this. This is too, this is, this is not going to end up well for me. Right. And then it ends up how she thinks it's going to end up. And meanwhile, Mona's been living with the guilt or the intensity of having killed thoughts. She thinks she thinking she killed a person, her second person. Yeah. Right. A second person. Yeah. Um, and the liar's response is like, well, Sucked. it's almost. Why don't it's they actually, fucking apologize? It's actually, you know, it's actually surprising, in a way, yeah. motive-wise. That um, okay, Mona kills Charlotte, and then this game shows up, and the liars are being tortured, and it's all related to Charlotte somehow, maybe. Uh, and why would why would Mona not be like, uh, like especially after Mona, you know, in the previous season was like blue snarfing and doing all this shit and trying to find out what's going on. Yeah. Right. Like who's tracking you? What's going on? Like, so why would Mona be reticent to get involved in the game regardless of like the potential for snapping? You know, that's right. Why Mona would, was why already would she be involved in the game? Yeah. Why would she not? Why You're would right. she not be like, Oh, I need to know what's going on with this immediately and like be freaking out about it. That's true. You're right. She was already involved in the game. That's bullshit. Okay, now this is bullshit. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's like I understand why they did it this way, why they played it out this way, but I think it is contrary to the characterization in the previous season. And I think you know this is true for a lot of the like. This season is so weird because Emily uh, has basically been a very core. True to, true to her previous characterization, you know, you could also say that about Hannah, who's been like this exaggerated version of Hannah. But Spencer has been like this totally free-falling character. Yeah. Um, Arya has grown, so that's good. Um, but it's like the Mona character this season has been like all over the map compared to the Mo- the like very stable but questionably, you know, on your side character who was in the previous season. Yeah. So it's like this very sort of different depiction of the character. Uh, and that is like, it's just bad writing. You know, it's bad. It's, it's like sloppy. Uh, it's sloppy work. Yeah. Yeah. It does feel sloppy. 
because none of it's supposed to. I mean, it's it's feeling like it's it, like it felt when they revealed that Charlotte was a right. It's just not. It's adding up, but if you don't think about it too much, right? Which is why I don't feel like like I just feel like this is this is the explanation. Well, I think this episode worked as an episode, and I think it worked within the context of this season. Uh, and I thought it was actually, especially like in dealing with the themes and having good pacing and like being scary, like yeah. it felt like one of the better and more dramatic episodes of the show. But it's like, if you do scale back and think about who are these characters really and what's actually going on and like, does this game actually make sense at all? Like what was, but what were they supposed to do at the end of it? You know, then it, there's no there there unless we see it in the next episode. Uh, and I, I just keep coming back to it being Charlotte, but then we're going to have but, this, but then we're going to have this problem of like Charlotte being this evil mastermind who was like, yeah, it was me all along bitches, of course. And it's like, okay, well, so you're not going to, you're going to like, like you were saying, then we get to the point where we have to throw out all the like sympathetic elements of the previous reveal and just be like, yeah, we have this character, you know, the one trans character on the show and we're going to make her like this hardcore super villain. Yeah. Which, like, is sort of what they need to do for any kind of big reveal or payoff or whatever, but it's also, you know, it runs counter to what they did before, and it ignores all the criticism, you know, rightly uh, heaped on the show well, for, like, cr- having this, like, weird, like, horror movie stereotype of a of a transgender person. Well, and also, I think that we have to remember that the whole point of the game was to figure out who killed Charlotte. Right. Um, and she'll be like, ha-ha. It was, it was, it, I'm me. not dead. Well, yeah, I mean, that's why, yeah, I don't know. I, we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. And I'm excited to have the answers. Yeah. I mean, I mean, you could probably easily explain this away, which is that Charlotte knew that using a goal like that and having the leverage of, of Dr. Husband's murder yeah. would, would be able to manipulate the liars and basically turning on each other, which right. kind of happened. Right. But uh, that just it just doesn't the motive is I mean granted the motive has always been stupid when, right. when it comes to Charlotte like I well, still Dun- Dunhill's still, like, not supposed to get killed that's an accident and so what gets spun out of that is AD reacting to that to this this plot twist right right and coming up with this whole game and using it as like leverage against them as opposed to having them search for Charlotte's killer. I mean, that gets completely dropped. So what, what would happen if then, so are we supposed to think that, so AD emerges after Dunhill is killed before that was devil emoji and devil emoji was probably Mary Drake and Dunhill. Mm, Could be. Yeah. I don't know. Probably. I don't know. My head because, hurts. <laughs> but I think that's because, like, so... Well, eight, we, we know that Mary was acting bad with Dunhill, and she basically gets redeemed, right? Because, because he was blackmailing... As she says, he was blackmailing her uh, over the murder of her sister. And how did he know she, that? Uh, well, right. Exactly. How would, she, how would he know that? I mean, he was involved with Charlotte at the hospital. Right. And apparently there's this whole other, like side plan and was Mary and Drake involved with this plan to get Allie's money that yes. Jenna was also apparently a part of? Yes. To get Allie's money from Charlotte. Or to get Allie's money from her 
to have so Charlotte could have it. I suppose so. Which again doesn't make any sense because it's like if the relationship was so if Allie was under the impression that the relationship was great with with Charlotte, then chances are that Charlotte would get would have gotten a lot of that money anyway. Yeah. I wonder if there's like the multiple level problem of Charlotte having a relationship with Dunhill as leverage to for her to get out of, you know, the institution. Yeah. Like seducing him basically. And then having him have this fake relationship with her sister so that she could get the money back. And then it turns out she was just using him all along. And cause when, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, it's sort of, like, I don't what know. Is... It's, it's very messy. And I, because the motivation comes down to, to basically Charlotte wanting to fuck with the liars and Mona because she was, she, for the her, same reasons, her, her identity was taken from her as a, as a child. And therefore she wants to take identities, right. take the certainty of identity from, Allie and her friends for no real reason. Like, why would a? I mean, sh- well, I mean, is that a concept? Uh, a, a, is that a not a concept? But is that a the show trying to address like the coming out narrative and how you know Charlotte was not allowed? Charlotte's Charlotte was not allowed to be who she was by her parents, yeah, and was institutionalized because of it, and so she doesn't want anyone else to be who they are. But the show doesn't. I mean, that would actually be an interesting thing for the show to say, um, but it doesn't say that. But why? And, and why so I, I don't want to give it the credit of reading right. into it. You know, because why target? Because it doesn't make sense. Because then why target the liars? Besides the fact they're just Allie's they're the stars of a Well, TV also show. because of um, Lucas. Because Lucas told them how mean they all were. That's right. No, that's a good point. But the comic book still hasn't been brought back. You know, yeah. But that's the was, thing. Cece was involved in all that shit anyway. Right. Cece was involved with Allison the whole fucking time. Right. Yeah, exactly. Like out in real and life. And Cece was popular. Right. So that's another thing. It's like... Yeah, there's this sort of... Yeah. So all why, the, would, all, why would the popular like, people pick on the, the 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 nerds, basically? Right. Well, because that's like sort of this fake life, her fake life as Cece, and it wasn't really her being allowed to be herself either, you know? Okay, but She's then... taking on this identity. That's fine, but then... Yeah. Even if you, if you're in a if you're in a social position of power, especially in high school, yeah, and you see someone like Mona, who all Mona's trying to do is just you know lead a life that's not tormented, right? By speaking as Cece, by your best friend, um, why would you then target? These sort of like these these girls who are lower on the social strata, mm-hmm. um, and make their life harder than it already is, because they're dealing with not only a lack of uh, the uncertainty of identity, but the social pressure that comes with not even having the illusion of being high on the social ladder, and so right. uh, it just doesn't make any fucking sense. So basically, what? CC slash now Charlotte is is just a fucking asshole, right? Right. That's is that so, it? Well, okay. So this goes back to I think the the show is trying to get away with a slasher movie ending. If 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 this episode sort of is the final version of the Charlotte motivation story, right? Mm-hmm. The show is trying to get away with a slasher movie ending, and what I mean by that is 
you know, if you think of a movie like Urban Legend or some of these '90s movies, where it were or Scream or whatever, where it's like it's a character you know mm-hmm. who's the who's the slasher, as opposed to like some random like monster person or you know whoever, some drifter or whatever. Right. Uh, and when it's someone you know in these '90s movies, the motivation is never very. It doesn't have to be very good. You know, because you spent the whole movie like watching people get killed, waiting for, 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 you know, shocks and surprises. And there's like a big reveal in the last couple of minutes. Um, some motivation is explained and it's like 30 seconds of dialogue. And then there's like a fight and the person gets killed or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's not expected to be uh, Agatha Christie. You know, it's not expected to be like the standards for the, for it are like pretty low. It's like, oh, well, this one time I did this and you ignored me. So now I hate you. Right. You know, and so the problem is a twofold problem, I think, that the show is trying to reduce itself to that level when you have 100 plus episodes of show yeah. and of like caring about the characters and growth and all these sort of serialized elements that don't show up in a slasher movie where there's no character growth. It's it's just murder, you know? Um, So it's not, it doesn't work with what the show has built itself to be. Uh, And it also doesn't work with the attempt to humanize Charlotte in the first place, you know, because if you try to have this whole episode of like trying to humanize Charlotte and creating these, this backstory for her, if you get there to the end and it says, Mm, turns out she's just like super evil and hung out for five years, like biding her time to continue to be evil. Uh, Like that's very much a simplified slasher ending, which uh, is certainly not a nuanced. uh, It removes all the nuance from the Charlotte character and in, in a very unfortunate way. But like I said, I've been saying for months, Charlotte's too interesting to be killed. Charlotte's too interesting to be dead. Uh, and I look forward to finding out next week if I have been correct. Except if she's if she is AD, then her interest goes out the the window because then her mo- whole motivation is that stupid idea that is always, yeah. her, that her motivation's stupid. Yeah. Well, and not interesting. Right. But yeah, that's true. It's true. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I definitely have mixed feelings about about this season. Um, and I, you know, I'm I'm curious to see what they do next week and if what they do with Mary Drake and like how they sort of wrap this all up because like one thing that hasn't really been dealt with, I, I think the murders of everybody from in the last, you know, all the all the minion murders like have not really been addressed and that seems fucked up because that was like a really huge yeah who killed point Sarah of, Harvey yeah exactly um, um, so that stuff sort of needs to be addressed and just like. Uh, Ren. Yeah, Ren. Why did Ren show for five seconds? Like, was that just to have him be on the show for five seconds? Because if so, that sucks. That's stupid. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. Like, what's going to happen with Toby and Spencer? Like, yeah. is Spencer going to have some kind of twin reveal, or was she just like this like shell shocked character to this season? You know, there are so many things that I don't like and disagree with. Uh, and you know, we can sort of dig into some of the stuff you've brought up in the past, which is like if Allie and Emily have this baby under created under the villainy of Charlotte or AD or whoever, like, I mean, is that like sort of this, you know, it's like this fucked up. It is a fucked up narrative. Yeah. It is like a, a intense, intense thing to put on them without really grappling with the sort of 
level of trauma being inflicted, you know, without almost taking it like finding redemption and like, well, we'll have this baby anyway. and We'll build a relationship out of it. But it basically forces them together to create this pandering relationship for the fans as opposed to like treating this like uh, rape level situation with maybe the death that should be. Well, and and what when you bring that up, what what I'm thinking of is again this idea of forgiveness that this episode pretty much hammered home. Mm-hmm. Uh, which Ezra sort of that was like <clears throat> the show trying to tell us to stop being mad about Ezra. Except the idea though is like it's it's this bull it's <laughs> it's this bullshit idea, and um, I think about I think about like little uh, uh bickering that my wife and i do when she does something shitty and she it's it's very hard for her to say sorry mm-hmm. and so when she does i feel like it's just obligatory and it's not i'm like but that's not a real apology because you don't actually mean it <laughs> and and i feel like this show is the same thing which is like if you, it's it feels like if you say you're sorry that's good enough and that's called forgiveness and the other person has to then acknowledge that 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 apology and then you're forgiven but the show doesn't actually say like what really a real apology is which is you earn that forgiveness you 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 undergo contrition and i think mostly of Allie, who like was a horrifying person for a long time mm-hmm. and she said she's sorry but has she earned that forgiveness and well, has she only earned that forgiveness through the show's logic by undergoing trauma herself? No, I have a comment on this because she's the one who goes in and spends this time with her sister and builds this, what she thinks is a relationship. And she is forgiven her sister. Mm -hmm. She forgives, Allie forgives Charlotte and is there for her. And I guess maybe that's the way that Allie earns her own forgiveness. I think so. I think that's really crucial. And, but by bringing up forgiveness in this episode, like saying that's what separates you the show in making Charlotte a villain, even after receiving Allie's forgiveness and potentially the forgiveness of the liars, but definitely Allie's by being untransform unchanged by that forgiveness. It shows the limits of forgiveness. Yeah. So even as the show is saying, this is what separates you. This is what makes you better. It also says, but it's not going to transform other people. Yeah. It's, it's not going to solve any problems for you, you know? So isn't that sort of like a hollow value? Maybe we're like spinning in circles now, um, but it's like if I was writing the ten the ten page you know English paper version of this talking about the themes yeah. of this show, it's like I wonder if anyone thought about that because it's like these pieces are there, but they don't necessarily does it does because that makes forgiveness like either either like a selfish thing. Or it makes it like forgiveness is only worthwhile when you give it to certain people or you need to give it for its own sake or, you know, I don't know. Right. It's like maybe maybe the idea is, you know, you, it's imp- you need to forgive and let go and you can't control what anyone else is going to do. Well, it's sort of like you have to you can you're only capable of truly forgiving if you yourself has experienced a similar situation where mm-hmm. where you're on the other side of it. Mm-hmm. And I guess, you know, that's kind of like that's just that's the that's the idea of empathy is attempting to put yourself in that, in that person's position. But well, and it's like the Charlotte deserve forgiveness. And the answer of this episode is no, no, she doesn't. Yeah. And that's like the question raised 
at the beginning of this like story arc. And you know, and then I then so that makes me think of Mona, and it's sort of like, and that's kind of been the same thing with Mona. Is like, right. does she deserve forgiveness enough to invite her into the group mm-hmm. and to make her an official PLL? But I don't think the show is willing to go that far, and I don't think its characters are because they don't forgive her. The closest we get to it is Spencer being nice to Mona. Right. Well, and even when they thought Allie killed Charlotte, there, there's here's this person who has essentially been redeemed, and they're willing to think like, oh yeah, she's yeah. she's she's not redeemed. She did this horrible thing, and so it's like. The distrust all these characters have constantly, I mean, even up through this Arya situation where they just bail on her immediately and they're not like, oh, maybe we should be, maybe we should like take two seconds and actually think about why you would do this. You know, it's like they're not, these characters are not defined by forgiveness necessarily. They're defined by paranoia. Yeah. Paranoia and old habits. Yes. And I think that like that's, I mean, those are the hallmarks of trauma really, but, um, I think the show is trying to find a way out of it. And mm-hmm. so it's putting up these things like these ideas of forgiveness, uh, this idea of breaking the cycle. And then it, and then the, but the, they don't really do that. They just right. don't. Right. Like the trauma, the trauma cycle has been broken. Mm-hmm. If you really wanted to break the trauma cycle, you wouldn't be marrying your high school statutory rapist teacher. Right. Right. Um, or your other high school boyfriend or your other high yeah. school boyfriend or, right. you know, whatever. Yeah, or or, you or your like middle school girlfriend, right? Like, or yeah, you wouldn't be you wouldn't be like starting a relationship with the person who disappeared for how long? Th- three, two years, or was dead for two years? Yeah, dead, right? For two years, then who showed up? Uh, and then when she showed up, she was an asshole. That was never explained why she was an asshole, right? And then, yeah, it's just like Allie, Allie is a horrible person, and it's now it's like the show's the show's solution for past Allie being horrible is to like now she's just sort of like lobotomized. I don't know. She's just kind of like this very passive person, and is I, this like her yeah. dealing with the idea that like she knows she can't be forgiven but the liars have pretty much forgiven her i think i well i i disagree i think her i think she has been given sort of a different characterization in these last couple seasons i think she has been treated better i think she the show definitely went through a period when she came back and had no idea what to do with her um and the fact that it sort of was like all right we're just gonna drop this whole thing and redeem her and make her like this character trying to figure it out yeah you know uh I think has really worked and it could have been, it it could have gone deeper. It would be nice for her to be a little bit more complicated or have a little more depth. Um, But I'm not mad at the way they've treated her character. I think it's actually been, I actually have, have enjoyed it. Okay. I think there's a lot of stuff in this season and in general, in these last few seasons, a couple seasons of the show, there have been a lot of great ideas, a lot of, great choices a lot of great scenes and episodes uh but it just doesn't like the puzzle pieces of it just don't fit together like the the themes don't fit together in a strong way the characters don't work you know the the overall like the further out you zoom the less any of it works which is really disappointing um but i mean i do think there have there are 
good pieces and good ideas and that's like that's what makes it a disappointing show like not that it's not that it's bad or it's like sloppy or whatever but just that there are so many good ideas and good sort of um things to draw from it and the show is just you know falls short of being able to really put those together into a, a great story yeah i think that uh i think that what we should do is next week we just sort of do what we've been doing, which is watch it and then just try to work through our feelings. <laughs> yes. And then uh, follow up with maybe like bringing some of our old guests on the show to see what they thought. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and to sort of, because I think that t- next week I think is going to be overwhelming as far as being able to talk every talk, to talk about everything because it's the kind of show and we've been doing this, recapping in such a way that now that we have it all in front of us, Mm -hmm. you know, we have the complete package. Mm -hmm. Did it, how do we deal with that? You know, we, we take, we take, we take stock of all the things that never got answered. Mm -hmm. We take stock of what it, what its ultimate message was. Yes. We take stock of who these characters are in the end, mm-hmm. and I mean that's that's just going to be a lot. Yeah, absolutely. you know, because it's like we still have however long, like an hour and a half of television left, or something like that. Yeah, an hour and twenty minutes, maybe. Yeah, with all the commercials, and that's a lot. And so we kind of just we have to like cross our fingers and just be like, please, please acknowledge Ren, please acknowledge. The, the NAT club, which they won't, but you know, what about all the, like what are all the characters that haven't been on the show in a long time? Yeah. I think dude, it's, <clears throat> it's the season. It's the series finale of lost all over again. Yeah. Where I, I, we just have to go with, and it's not as bad as the final season of lost, which was such a complete disaster leading up to the finale. So you're like waiting for the finale to like, please God do anything interesting. Yeah. But it's going to be the same thing where there were all these things, that you run into across multiple seasons of television that just get put by the wayside and uh, every particular idea is not going to get pulled back. Or, I mean, at least with Lost, you know, the sort of who the characters were and like what the themes were, were, you know, it was a blunter show in that way. Like ultimately ideas of um, belief versus science or reason or whatever, uh, they do get resolved and the answer is, yeah, you know, God is real and it's all real. Yeah. You know? So, I mean, same thing sort of with Battlestar Galactica where at the end it's like this very religious message. And so like at least lost sort of picks a side and doesn't leave ambiguity in terms of like what the main conflict, the theme, the thematic resolution is. You're right. And so this show has not, has tried to be smarter and has done generally a good job of like being a pretty tight, smart show and, and increasingly come apart the deeper the show has come, yeah. you know, come along. Right. Which is like, I guess that's the thing is like, I, maybe my ultimate buried subconscious f- hope for the show is that it will give me an emotional resolution mm-hmm. that feels like all of the, the thoughts that I had about its deeper messages weren't wrong Mm -hmm. that they actually like all, all that like that in the end, uh, 
the show reveals itself to be about trauma, to be about growing up, mm-hmm. to be about the surveillance state or, you know, all the things we've talked about that, that like it ends in a way that gives validation to all of those and yeah. that has a message, a clear message. And, you know, like Lost or like Battlestar Galactica, where it's like the show is this right now. Well, and I was thinking about like maybe it's just not going to be that way. No, I agree. And I was thinking like, man, have we ruined the show for ourselves by um, recapping by like talking about it for an hour every week and like going so deep into it? And I think the answer is no, because I think even if we were watching it casually, we would still be like, I don't understand what's going on or why is Spencer acting weird or what happened to these characters or we hate these relationships. And I think going into the minute plot deals details or the minute sort of like, or the deeper like ideas of theme, maybe we wouldn't be doing, but I think just watching it, even if we were watching it more superficially, I really don't think we would feel satisfied because it, it is such a mess and the characters have just like been all over the place. You know, everything has been so, uh, coming apart, like I said, and not really like the episodes that have been good or raised interesting ideas or characterizations like have just not really been followed through. I, I do think, you know, our, the Aria Ezra narrative this season, once you got rid of his old girlfriend or whatever, which again was like just super sloppy and, you know, uh, bringing in some other character and some other tragedy or traumatic experience to just like further his own plot, you know? Yep. Uh, and then you put her in the refrigerator or whatever, as yep. they say, um, so that was like sloppy, but the, the relationship between him and Arya in the last few episodes, like has dealt with a lot of work through a lot of the things that we wanted it needed them to work through and like been a little bit more mature and energetic. And so that's good. It's I mean, better. It's not, you know, it's, it's better than nothing. Yeah. I guess I, cause that's my question is like, do you feel satisfied by that? My answer is no, I don't, but. I guess paying at lip service is better than well, nothing. Yeah, I mean, I think it moves you closer. And I think, too, with, like, the the Emerson relationship where it's, like, don't really like it, think it feels forced, but it's, like, the chemistry between the characters and the scenes they've had together have been really good. And it's, uh-huh. like, well, if you're going to make this choice, you've done a good job of making it work. And we knew even though I, even anyway. though I don't, even yeah. though I think they're the choice itself is problematic. Yeah. You know, we knew, and, and yeah, we knew you were going to make that choice. So if you're going to do what you're going to do anyway, you might as well do it relatively well. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I think what, one thing that this show, I think we can, we can say for sure is that if you're going to try to run a mystery show that lasts, however many seasons, you know, you kind of need to do it just one season at a time, like Veronica Mars or something, and then yep. just move on to the new plot, you yep. know? Because if you try and, like, let it expand out and then rope it back in or whatever, it just becomes completely nuts and unmanageable. Uh, and also, it's it, like, it really shows you the power of the slasher movie as this extremely simplistic thing yeah. where you kind of know what's going to happen. And what you go to a slasher movie not for plot or character arc or any of that stuff you go in to be surprised and scared and have like this very these very visceral reactions right and pll has given us that but the stuff beyond that you know i mean the great the the, i guess the most exciting thing about pll is that it took this very superficial genre and it it injected so much like richness and uh like just skillfulness to it right and then it found out Oh, but actually, 
turns out that's actually too hard to sustain, you know? And so I think that's sort of the lesson is like, you probably can't try to make a slasher movie last for seven seasons. I was going to say, it's sort of like the the walking dead. I, I can't remember if you ever made this sort of, um, analogy before but it's a, it's like the walking dead which is what if a zombie what if a zombie movie never ended this is like what if a slasher movie never ended right exactly you know? exactly um which makes me think like maybe you know it would it would be very thematically consistent to have charlotte be ad yes because it is sort of the 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 most one of the most prominent slasher tropes next to having a final girl which yeah. is the villain always comes back and the villain never dies. The villain never dies. The villain never dies. So yeah, I think there's a lot of reasons why it should be Charlotte. And we've talked about this too, like the way this, these couple seasons have been acting like a sequel Yeah, and the way they've been sort of echoing things from that happened in the past. Um, so yeah, those would all be including Mona, like reverting back to her high school self. And it's like, because the show is trying to show growth and is trying to exist, not like a repeat, but like a step forward that is in the middle of a repeat, it's just become really frustrating because it's trying to sort of have it both ways Yeah, and try to say, we need to break out of the cycle. We need to be older than high school. And yet you, you keep saying that and then you keep doing it, you know, and it's like not really satisfying or interesting. Yeah. Well, what if Mono has been working for Charlotte? Mona's like Charlotte's Renfield kind of. I don't think I don't think so. Yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't I would actually not like that choice because I want Mona to be a good character who's a victim who, you know, doing her best. Well, she's she could still be a victim. I mean, Renfield's a victim like under the spell mm-hmm. of this more powerful, you know, human. Mm-hmm. Um or more more powerful entity. Uh but yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I feel like the only pl- the plausible answers are not surprising, nor are they interesting mm-hmm. as to who AD is. Mm-hmm. And so, my only hopes for next week are just that that I'm not that my that like on a very basic level I'm not let down. Mm-hmm. So I guess my last question for you tonight would be, what what are your hopes for next week? I really am approaching it with no hope and no expectations. <laughs> no hope. You know, no, it's just like <laughs> at this point we are so wrapped up in it and you know, I just I I want it to end in some way that I can <coughs> enjoy, but I think we have like not overthought it, but just absorbed all of it and are treating it as a body of work and I don't think it can stick a landing in a way that is going to wrap all that up or even be satisfying without like going back eight episodes and being like, Oh, maybe Hannah and Caleb shouldn't get married. Cause that sucks. You know, I'm, it's like, there's all these decisions that can't be unmade that are going to just be frustrating. Just, you know, the same way a lot of shows and the, you know, they sort of do whatever they're going to do in the final season. And it's like, you can feel like that decision is what you wanted or not. You know, I feel like the only way that, that anything would be that, that an ending would be thematically consistent is if Ezra or Allison mm-hmm. or AD. That would be interesting. Because then you have this idea that it's just sort of like, listen, you thought that you could break this cycle. You thought you could have your cake and eat it too. Like what, like what I was talking about with Arya. You thought you could both break the cycle and uh, lean on these old habits that you refuse to give up. 
Yeah. Turns out you, you can't. Yeah. Like this is, these decisions are bad. And the fact that you are, uh, that you continue to dwell in them is, uh, is, 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 is the architect of your downfall. Mm-hmm. And so therefore liars, uh, it's, 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 it's over and your, your lives are, t- you're terrible now. You the know people, what? The people that you love will let you down. You know what? Just I like real adults. Right. That'd be an interesting moral. You know what I would actually love is if they did like a very Chris Nolan ending where it, in every Chris Nolan movie, there's like sort of this action montage sequence where the characters are like voicing, doing voiceovers and basically telling you like what Chris ideas, like log line for the movie yeah. was, you know, like Batman, this is what, this is all about chaos and blah, 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 yeah. you know, or whatever. Bat- this is how you, began batman this is this is this is what happens when you go interstellar murphy yeah yeah (laughs) oh it's all about yeah and like the character having some realization or whatever and i would actually i don't think pll will do this but i would love if they just almost like had this like just dumb over serious sequence where where they were like this is why everything happened and just like Mm -hmm. be definitive about it and you know just have it be like, okay, this is what this show is trying to tell us, as opposed to like us doing this podcast next week and being like, man, do we think it was which one of these like five or six ideas do we think the show is actually trying to be, you know? Uh, and does yeah. did it matter? Right. No. <laughs> no. So I don't know. I'm happy to have watched this show, and I think that we have really shaken it free, shaken it out of like any ideas we could possibly have about the season and about the show in general. So I'm mm-hmm. excited about that. Actually, I feel like we have done good critical work. I'm really in, excited in to talk about hour. it as a, as a thing. It's a complete mm-hmm. thing. Yeah. And then uh, I never I never wanted to come back. I mean, I I would like to talk to other people. Um, like I said, have like a, our our coverage of the the last episode and the series in general be more than just one episode that we mm-hmm. that we have after we watch it yeah i think having wider conversations about it you know especially on this level would be really interesting yeah i mean it's just i mean i i want to know i want to ask people i want to ask other fans of this of of this caliber Mm -hmm. as in that have watched this far and have followed it this much like are you are you are you i mean even something as simple as do you feel like this time was valid? The time that you put into this? Yeah. Was, was this show? Or do you feel like it was, it was wasted? Was this show any good? Would yeah. you tell people to start this, you yeah. know, knowing that they, in order to get the full experience, they'd have to make, get all the way to the end. That's true. You know? Yeah. I mean, cause I was, I was, I, I was very reluctant to start the show Carnival. Uh-huh. Uh, my wife really loves it. And so she talked me into it and we're almost done her, her second time through. Uh, but I can't, get past this idea that I know that it, I know that it was forced into an ending, right? That it didn't get the, the breadth that it originally wanted and, and thought that it needed in order to tell the full story. And so that kind of, that, um, that, uh, sort of premonition of disappointment hangs over me as I watch it. Right. And so it's like, would you recommend that? Would you recommend pretty little, pretty little liars to somebody 
knowing that the ending is disappointing. Right. Like knowing that it's not going to get to the place that they want it to get to. Right. That that's not going to have, it's almost like recommending loss to somebody. Like, yeah. Do you recommend loss to somebody based on the fact that they're going to get to the end and probably be disappointed? You know, I really have not recommended it to people. I've definitely had like the 20 minute conversation where I explain all of my frustrations with lost to somebody, (laughs) you know, I used to, it's, it's, I haven't rewatched it. It probably still is like the show I enjoyed watching the most while it was on. And I would, I would like to watch it again and just like have the knowledge of like, you're watching this as an entertainment experience and as a piece of filmmaking and you're not watching it for answers because you know that they are not, they don't exist and watching it in like a more low pressure way, I think would make it a more fun show. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's sort of like watching like an M night Shyamalan movie again, any movie, any, any experience that is based on, uh, twists and surprises. Mm -hmm. Like when you go back again, it's like, do you want to watch this again? Do you get the same enjoyment out of it? Do you get a different kind of enjoyment out of it? Right. Is it only, does it only exist for the sake of, a twist or for the sake of the big reveal. Right. I mean, well, and I think, I I think pretty little liars really has been caught between so many factors, be it like not knowing if it's going to get renewed or the pressure from fans for characters to be in love or, you know, whatever it is, like the idea of like, maybe we should get into, uh, or being rejected by fans, like with Ravenswood, like maybe we should get into supernatural stuff and see if people are into that. And people were like, nope, not into that. Yeah, nope. And so they backed off, right. you know? And so it's like the show has sort of had too much room to explore as opposed to someone sitting down and saying, I'm going to make a trilogy of movies and it's going to tell these three stories and you're going to see this arc from the characters go from thing to thing. But it's mm-hmm. like doing that in a mystery show over this kind of chaotic television making process, like you see the, you see the limits of it, you know? And I think that is, that's why the show has become just more of a mess because the more stuff that gets introduced and like, especially once you get out past the first few seasons where there was a lot of momentum and consistency, like they just got five years forward and then the show itself fell back into old habits because it didn't know what to do. It didn't know how to keep pushing forward. And in part, there's pressure from the fans for them not to, you know? So I like, I, I'm not mad at the show for a lot of the things that it's done. Mm -hmm. There are totally reasonable creative reasons and, and not, and meta creative reasons for them to have happened. Um, but you know, you just see how hard it is to make a good show and it makes something like, a Mad Men or, or whatever show you like. And you could even make critiques about the final season of Mad Men, which I think is mostly great. But it's like, you see how hard it is to put together a piece of work over like hundreds of hours in the serialized format in this like gigantic world you've built. Right, right, right. You know, and I give them a lot of credit for, for the accomplishments of the show. Uh, and I don't give them credit at all for all of the problems that we have dissected and that the show, I don't, you know, it it feels like we maybe have thought harder about it than they have, which is like a mean thing to say. Uh, but it feels like we have, yeah. you know, and that's not something that you want to feel as the watcher, uh-huh. you know? So it is like a failing of the show that they didn't somehow make it simpler or they didn't, uh, have some answer that would be satisfying or, or, you know, whatever it is. Yeah. And we still have one more to go, but I, I do think, you know, it's just going to end up that the show tied itself in too many knots and, you know, ended up just like tripping over its own shoes a lot. 
Uh, <clears throat> I agree, and I and I miss Mike. Yeah, what I never thought to, I, I, what happened to what happened to like yeah what happened to like Mona uh, needs Mike. Yeah, that never really worked out for Mona. No, the Mike situation. Yeah, he's he's off at college somewhere. Yeah, being Mike. Yeah. Um, let's uh, let's do some quick fake beer sponsors. Fake beer sponsors. <laughs> All right, so this week, I uh, during the show, I drank a beer uh, from Pelican Brewing, um, and it was the Northwest IPA, which I believe is their new IPA. Um, it felt new to me. I've never seen it before. Uh, it's very tasty. I like Penguin uh, or Pelican very much. Um, while we're recording, I drank a Total Domination IPA from Ninkasi. Um, which is Nikasi is uh, next to Full Sail is one of the first IPAs that I really enjoyed when I came to Portland, um, and I I credit Nikasi for helping me get into IPAs in the first place, which is now pretty much the only type of beer that I seem to find myself drinking. So thank you, Nikasi. You never let me down. Nice. I was drinking a cucumber wheat beer that uh my wife picked up at the store that looked interesting but ended up not really being cucumbery it was more like the hefeweizen banana flavor uh and i don't have the bottle so i can't tell you what it is but i don't recommend it it was just okay <laughs> uh if you do want to have a good, hold on i think i know where it is i will i will say if you want a good cucumber beer oakshire who makes that uh raspberry beer that i've been talking about on every podcast they have an excellent cucumber beer Oh, Dom's got the bottle. Okay, what well, what was this? That's a Milwaukee brewery called Harmony. Harmony foretold cucumber wheat ale. Yeah, uh, not. I mean, if you like banana e Hefeweizens, it's fine. It was good, but I don't really like banana flavor in my beer, so I don't recommend it. Uh, but so Oakshire makes a good cucumber. Campanology Brewing. Oh, okay. Weird. From out of Milwaukee. Out of Milwaukee. Uh, it's got a cool label. And beyond Oakshire, uh, Ten Barrel. Also makes a cucumber and Ten Barrel has and Oakshire makes sort of these two sour. They also make this like sour raspberry beer, uh, and their version is like five percent less good than the Oakshire, um, but both really good beers. And you can definitely find the Ten Barrel one out and about. I've seen that in the stores. So yeah. uh, just like funky, refreshing vegetable beer, just like a weird thing to drink in the summer. Mm-hmm. Um. So uh, we will be back next week. Uh, and probably the week after that, and then we're gonna figure out what we're gonna do. We're still yeah. still figuring we, it out. We may we may leave you, or we may not. We'll we'll think about it. Yeah. Uh, you can tweet at us at plgm podcast. As you know, very curious to hear what everybody's feeling about these revelations. What your thoughts are about the finale? Uh, if you just want it all to be over or if you love it and you want it to keep going, let us know. Uh, star us on iTunes if you would like. We I know a lot of you are new listeners. We appreciate that. We're trying to do a good job for everybody uh, as we get into this like home stretch. Um, I actually think we got a new review on iTunes. Ooh, what do they say? Uh, let me see. Um, we're so prepared. Uh, let's see. Yes, 
we got a review from Miss Mary Kate. And the title of the review is Made Me Laugh Out Loud Multiple Times. Nice. And the review says, love your tired perspective as a fan who's been watching from the beginning, who is also pretty tired. Awesome. Awesome. I'm glad we found our target audience, Tom. (laughs) Frustrated Pretty Little Liars fans. (laughs) Yeah. This is the podcast for you. Uh, Well, okay. Until next week, Charlotte's alive, bitches. I know what you're keeping, for you never tell.